and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Foo Fighters. That's correct, Foo Fighters, those now famous UFOs that were reported by so many fighter pilots and bomber pilots back during World War II, and not just American pilots, but also by German and Japanese pilots. And just to get a little bit of background on this, I think it's important to point out the fact that some people have thought, at least I thought at first the Americans did, that these things were uh, some kind of creation by the Nazis because the first place they were, they were reported, as far as I could find, was over Europe. And going along with that, uh, after the war, there was an effort uh, by the Americans to uh, round up and bring uh, as many of those scientists as they could from Germany to the United States now, many of you may know about this, but this was something called Operation Paperclip. That's Operation Paperclip. And this does fit into UFO lore because a lot of those scientists that were brought back um, may or may not have committed uh, war crimes. Um, these crimes often reportedly were overlooked in exchange for these scientists' uh, contribution to our own space program. And the thought was by many that these uh, particular scientists may, they may have uh, possessed uh, information about UFO technology. Now, whether that UFO technology was man-made or otherworldly, it's been widely reported that the uh, Nazis were particularly interested in the occult and the UFO phenomena. And if we go to Wikipedia, and I have a, a link there on the Twitter account, uh, UFO Warning, you can see that it says Operation Paperclip was a secret program of the Joint Intelligence Objective Agency largely carried out by our spatial agents, out by spatial agents of the Army CIC, in which more than 1,600 German scientists, engineers, and technicians, such as Werner von Braun and his V-2 rocket team, were taken from Germany to the United States for U.S. government employment, primarily between 1945 and 1959. Many were former members, and some were former leaders of the Nazi Party. The primary purpose... For Operation Paperclip was the U.S. military advantage in the Soviet-American Cold War and the space race. The Soviet Union was more aggressive and forcibly recruiting more than 2,200 German specialists. A total of more than 6,000 people, including family members, with Operation Osovia Kim, won during one night on October 22, 1946. The Joint Chiefs of Staff established the first secret recruitment program called Operation Overcast on July 20, 1945, initially to assist in shortening the Japanese war and to aid our post-war military research. The team Overcast was the name first given by the German scientist. Family members for the housing camp where they were held in Bavaria. In late summer 1945, the JCS established the JIOA, a subcommittee of the Joint Intelligence Com Community to directly oversee Operation Overcast and later Operation Paperclip. The JIOA representatives included the Army's Director of Intelligence, the Chief of Naval Intelligence, the Assistant Chief of Air Staff to Air Force Intelligence, and a representative from the State Department. In November 1945, Operation Overcast was renamed Operation Paperclip by Ordnance Corps, United States Army. Officers who would attach a paperclip to the folder of those rocket experts 
whom they wish to employ in America. In a secret directive circulated on September 3, 1946, President Truman officially approved Operation Paperclip and expanded it to include 1,000 German scientists under temporary limited military custody. So you can see right from the get-go, um, our government had uh, really no problem with employing people that uh, were part of a murderous regime. Even uh, Werner von Braun, uh, we know that he was building rockets in places that relied on slave labor. And honestly, uh, the suffering of these people never seemed to matter that much to him. So it can be argued that the curiosity was piqued of uh, our own government. Even then, we had a deep state back then about these German scientists and what they may or may not know about this UFO phenomenon that was being witnessed all over Europe, these Foo Fighters. And that could have been part of the reason why these uh, people were brought back in to the United States as part of our uh, rocket uh, building program. Obviously, they did have, possess a lot of uh, uh, intellect about building rockets, and that contributed greatly to our own, to our own space program. But we, we have to wonder if there wasn't also an uh, alternative motive to that. We find another article here from History.com, and this goes back, I think, to 2018. It says, Mysterious UFOs seen by World War II airmen still unexplained. It goes on, it says, It was nearly the end of World War II, but the airmen of the 415th Night Fighter Squadron. It felt more like the beginning of the War of Worlds. Lieutenant Fred Ringwald was the first to see it. He was riding as an observer in a night fighter pilot piloted by Lieutenant Ed Schluter with Lieutenant Donald J. Myers on radar. It was a late November evening in 1944, partly cloudy with a quarter moon. They were roaming the Rhine Valley just north of Strasbourg on the French-German border when Ringwald said... I wonder what those lights are over there in the hills, according to an American Legion magazine story on the sightings from 1945. There were eight to ten of them in a row, glowing, fiery orange. Then Schluter saw them off his right wing. They checked with Allied ground radar, but they registered nothing. Thinking that the lights might be some kind of German air weapon, Schluter turned the plane, turned the plane to fight, only to have the lights vanish. At first, the men said nothing fearing they had been ostracized, but then the sightings spread through the unit. Well, you can see that even then, reporting a UFO sighting by a pilot was something that they didn't particularly want to do. Now, obviously, they saw these lights. They thought it was some sort of German weapon, and that's why they reported them. But we can see from this account that even uh, 75 years ago, pilots were receiving the same kind of cold shoulder they do today when they report a UFO. The article goes on and says on December 17, 1944, near Breisach, Germany, a pilot was flying at approximately 800 feet when he saw five or six flashing red and green lights in T-shape. The lights seemed to follow him, closing in to about 8 o'clock and 1,000 feet before disappearing as inexplicably as they came. Now think about this. These lights came up within 1,000 feet. That's incredibly close. We're talking about speeds even back then of four or five, 550 mile an hour. The article continues. Then on December 22nd, two more flight crews sighted lights. One crew near Hagenau reported two lights and a large orange glow, seeming to rise from the earth to 10,000 feet. T 
tailing the fighter for approximately two minutes. After that, the lights peeled off and turned away, flying along level for a few minutes and then went out. They appear to be under perfect control at all times, according to Keith Chester, Strange Company Military Encounters with UFOs in World War II. And then there was Lieutenant Samuel Krasny's experience, a wingless, cigar-shaped object, glowing red, just a few yards off the plane's wingtip. Lieutenant Krasny, Krasny justifiably spooked, instructed the pilot to attempt evasive maneuvers, but the glowing object stayed right next to the fighter for several minutes before it flew off and disappeared. Eventually, the armed, eventually the airman named the lights Foo Fighter, inspired by the comic strip Smokey Stover, in which Smokey, a firefighter, would often declare, where there's foo, there's fire. Now it goes on here and says, uh, the combat fatigue explanation. Well, as you can see, even better, back in 1945, the military had no problem attempting to debunk what these pilots saw. And here we have it, the combat fatigue explanation. It says, an Associated Press reporter broke news of the Foo Fighter sightings on January 1st, 1945, and theories about their origins quickly abounded. The sightings were flares or weather balloons. Boy, the good old standby weather balloons. A phenomenon where a light appears on the, or, or it says St. Elmo's fire. A phenomenon where a light appears on the tips of objects in stormy weather. But the members of the 415th rejected all of those theories. Flares and weather balloons can't track planes like those objects could. And they'd seen St. Elmo's fire and could distinguish the two. So here we have uh, an explanation being put forward that the UFOs that these trained pilots identified were no more than St. Elmo's fire, basically static electricity. Now, if you, that's really insulting when you think about it. These guys were, were people that were going up there risking their lives. They had high degrees of skill in operating those machines. Just imagine 1945, they're dropping these bombs with with pretty decent accuracy, actually. You're in an airplane, and you're approaching the speed of sound, you know, well over 500 miles an hour. At the kind, the kinds of G-forces, um, the kinds of hardships these people endured, and still carried out their mission with such precision. And then for somebody sitting behind a desk somewhere to come out these guys, true heroes, by the way, and uh, basically mock them and accuse them of not knowing what they saw. Well, they saw targets every day they were dropping bombs on, and they were dropping those bombs with very great specificity. They, they were putting those bombs right where they needed to be with 75-year-old technology at this point. These guys, were, these guys were consummate pros, if they were anything. So to say that they simply were mistaken and thought that these balls of light, these UFOs that were uh, engaging their aircraft, actually, or somehow nothing more than static electricity, static electricity or a weather balloon. It's frankly insulting. It goes on, it says, Then there were those who claimed the airmen were suffering from combat fatigue, a polite way of saying that war stress was driving them insane. But there was scant evidence to suggest collective psychosis. The 415th had an otherwise excellent record, and when a reporter for American Legion magazine went to report on the squadron, he described them as 
very normal airmen whose primary interest was combat. And after that came pinup girls, poker, donuts, and the derivatives of the grape. Lieutenant Krasny's son, Keith Krasny, says his late father didn't fit the stereotypical profile of a UFO theorizer. In fact, he never even suggested that the glowing, wingless, cigar-like object that flew next to his plane was extraterrestrial in origin. He was very level-headed, very analytical, says Krasny of his father, adding that he kept a notebook where he wrote about and drew his Foo Fighter sighting. But although he never seemed prone to conspiracy theories, Krasny says his father was open to one. He entertained the idea that it could be late-breaking German technology. He did express the view that there were a lot of things during the war that were kept quiet. Well, you can see a little bit of rationalization here by a very intelligent guy. He's seen this UFO. It doesn't fit the paradigm of anything that he's grown up with. So automatically, uh, it's easy to compartmentalize this and just say, well, it must have been some top-secret German stuff. Well, if the Germans were so far advanced, why did they lose the war? And if it was the American stuff, why wouldn't you have any idea what it was? I think the Americans had their hands full fighting the, fighting the Nazis and the Japanese. It seems like it would have been pretty hard and, and way uh, beyond the advancement of the American military to have been to have been producing this UFO phenomenon, all the while trying to carry out and execute this war against Germany. The article continues, Was it the work of Nazi astrophysicists? Now see, this takes us back to the whole uh, notion of this Operation Paperclip and why that's relevant. It's almost a tightrope walk here of of deciphering between, well, could these things have been some sort of experimental project carried out by the Nazis? And if that's the case, then we want to get these Nazis back to the U.S. where they can share that information, or is that just simply a way of not dealing with the notion that U the UFO phenomena is real and that uh, as Americans at that time, we just weren't able to accept it. It was easier for them to accept the notion that these UFOs, which defied the laws of physics, by the way, were something created by the Nazis, rather than to think these things could have been uh, extra-dimensional. I'm not even sure they thought of it extra-dimensional. Let's just say extraterrestrial from some other planet, because that seems to be where most of the thinking was at at that time. Now it says, holding Nazi Germany responsible for the flying glowing orbs isn't too far-fetched. For one thing, the sightings took place over Nazi-occupied Europe at a time when Germany's Luftwaffe was making tremendous strides. Then there's the fact that sightings stopped once, German, once the German army was defeated. Now, I'm not going to get into this too far. We can cover this in another podcast because it'll just for the sake of time. But um, a brief search on the internet will show you that these Foo Fighters weren't just spotted in Germany or over Europe, as I've said, they were also spotted uh, in the South Pacific. They were spotted by German fighters, and they were also spotted by, sighted by uh, Japanese uh, airplane pilots. So the phenomena of these things is far more widespread than something that would have been perpetrated by Nazi scientists. But the article continues, but the most compelling link to the Foo Fighters might be Werner von Braun, a 32-year-old Wunderkind rocket engineer. Von Braun 
von Braun helped the Nazis develop the V-2 rockets, a long-range guided ballistic missile that Hitler was using in 1944 against Belgium and other parts of Allied Europe. It's not hard to imagine pilots unfamiliar with long-range ballistic ballistics comparing these rockets to a cigar-like wingless planes. The V-2 could even the V-2 could even explain the glow since its tail emitted a long burning plume. Well, I'm sorry to say, but in my opinion, that paragraph right there is just idiotic. It's just idiotic. I can't. It's hard to believe somebody could even write this. It's not. It's complete nonsense. It is complete nonsense to say that this basically primitive rocket that was developed by Braun, by von Braun could be compared to glowing orbs or glowing uh, cigar-shaped UFOs that moved back and forth toward uh, fighter pilots, uh, trailed along with them, basically were interacting and interfacing with these pilots. That's not what a rocket does. I think Werner von Braun himself said, they go up, they come down. That was kind of his little joke. So to sit here and think that these skilled, trained pilots would mistake a V-2 rocket for a UFO, as I said, is simply idiotic. Nicholas Verconi, an author who has written several books on military aviation history, says the explanation comes up short. The V-2 rockets doesn't have the maneuverability, he says. It couldn't turn on a dime and change its acceleration pattern. Once it started burning, it burned and produced thrust at one rating. Nothing in Nazi Germany's military aviation arsenal can explain the Foo Fighter description, Veronico says. One airman's observation from the time that the Foo Fighters follow the fighters so closely as to seem almost magnetized to them. It's particularly confounding given that there just wasn't propulsion or metallurgical technology that could enable something like that. As I said, these things did not follow the laws of physics as we know them. <clears throat> They're acting as in, in classic UFO fashion. We see the same thing these Foo Fighters did back then. We see the same thing happening today in the three uh, videos that were recently released, the cockpit videos of the Navy fighters. The gimbal, go fast, and tic-tac, I think. Where this, these UFO objects are actually um, interacting with the fighter pilot, it seems, especially in the go fast video where this uh, orb is racing along beneath the fighter pilot uh, above the waves of the ocean, just racing at, at 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 just super high speeds. Doesn't look like a rocket to me. Looks like a UFO. And it goes on. It says, uh, and yet von Braun's career after World War II is worth considering. Following the collapse of the Third Reich, the engineer was recruited to be part of an Operation Paperclip, a clandestine U.S. military program that spared 1,600 Nazi scientists prosecutions for war crimes, moving them instead into the American military, where their past was whitewashed to the public. And that really gets into a whole other program. And you frequently hear me speak about the deep state on this podcast. And you can see the seeds for that, or possibly the fruit of that. Here we had this government in place, bringing over what in effect were war criminals. These were these were leading scientists whose... Uh, Operations, laboratories, whatever, used human beings as cannon fodder. Used human beings where they were literally worked to death. And they were complicit in this. 
and undoubtedly every one of these deserve to stand trial and get a fair trial and decide what their involvement was. But because it was believed that they had knowledge and intellect that was of great value to the military, they were simply forgiven their infractions, sins if you will, and brought to this country. Now, not only were they brought over here, but they were put in positions of, uh, where they could contribute greatly to the collective mindset of our own deep state. You can see this whole notion of the means justifies the ends. When you start your rocket program, when, you, when, the, when the genesis of your space program is based on Nazis, you have to believe that some of their some of their personal beliefs, some of their culture will infect that program. It should come as no surprise to us when we see great secrecy or even deception in our own uh, government bureaucracy, in our departments like NASA, when those, when those departments, uh, that space program depended so heavily on former Nazis. Former Nazis who were perpetrators of the very thing that our young men went to Europe to fight and die for. Over and over again as we examine this phenomenon of the UFOs, we see this connection, this interaction with the deep state and a very dark side of, of humankind, really. And we see it again with what happened with Paperclip, which could have been a reaction to many of those Foo Fighter UFO sightings combined with our own government's need to develop a military rocket and space rocket program. Before I close, I just want to say that I did post some other uh, videos uh, at Twitter, some links to them. I found a couple of pretty cool uh, UFO sightings that were videotaped and are videoed on phone. And these are the, uh, the donut-shaped UFOs. They're interesting. I'm not really sure where I stand on them. Some people have commented that these will look like a trans. They look like smoke, uh, that, like a smoke ring that occurs when a transmitter blows up. Some people think they look like mylar balloons because of the way they kind of uh, just go with the wind, uh, undulating back and forth. Uh, I found some older video from China that I linked at the UFO Warning uh, Twitter account. You can get there by going to at Warning Sub UFO. And I also got uh, a couple videos I tried to link there from uh, one over in the UK, which is pretty decent, I thought. It was one of these donut-shaped UFOs, very dark-looking. And then uh, I think we have one on there from somewhere in the Midwest. Those are fun to look at. It seems like there's almost been a blackout on UFO videos as far as getting up into any kind of a decent search rank. And I'll also say it, it seems like there's been almost like a brownout on UFO news. Uh, it, with the Navy releasing those three videos, it just fills the search pages. And of course, we're all interested in a lot of stuff above and beyond that. So if the content seems a little uh, a little dated, sometimes it has to be because right now with the COVID uh, scamdemic and a lot of other things going on, uh, it truly seems like uh, the voices out there, uh, the video recorders out there, the investigators on the ground are having trouble getting their videos posted online. If you happen to come across something, um, feel free to uh, 
put it in a response on Twitter or message it to me. We'll take a look at it. Uh, always on the lookout for UFO news. Excuse me, UFO news. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.